Well, we are over in Numbers chapter 16. It's the place we visit every now and then. I think about two years ago was the last time that we did. But we're going after this with a little different purpose. We're going to ask you this question. Do you belong to God? And most Christians would answer yes. But there is an event in the Old Testament that very clearly shows that not all people who feel they belong to God actually do. So how can you know for certain if you do belong to God? The Word tells us in the New Testament, Jesus said, They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We're going to be looking at this chapter here, this event that occurred with Israel in Numbers 16. We have looked at it before for the purpose of faithfulness. We have looked at it for the purpose of understanding rebellion. But today we're going to look at this chapter for what it teaches us about honoring God in our worship. What does God look for to see who are truly His? So scripture in Exodus 23 and verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God and I will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. That's a great refrigerator verse right there. Now I looked this up in about 20 different translations and every single one says, so you shall serve the Lord your God and uses the word serve except one. One lone translation stands out and says, so you shall worship the Lord your God. Worship is an aspect of our serving God, but it is not the only aspect of our serving God. Serve is a much broader term. Worship narrows it down a little bit. It's the NIV that translates it that way. I'm not the big fan of the NIV. I know some people are. That's okay. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. There are translations I despise with every fiber of my being. And if I see one in here, I may go over and light it on fire. But I've never seen one of them in here. I've told you about them. You all know. I'm not going to dwell on that. But look at this. You, so you shall serve the Lord your God and He will bless your bread and your water. There's a lot of Christians that are very studious about blessing their their uh, meal. And I'm not, that's not a bad thing to do. That's okay to do. I mean, but they are fervent on it. But right here in this one, it has more to do with how you serve God than what you say before you eat. People ought to be just as fervent on serving God. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. God will take sickness away from the midst of you. It doesn't matter what sickness. He doesn't say he'll take sickness away from the midst of you if you put a mask on. He doesn't say he'll take sickness from the midst of you if you get a certain shot. If you take your vitamins. He doesn't say any of that. What he's talking about is serving the Lord God. The enemy it's always like likes to get people distracted on other things instead of what the Word of God says. Just serve God. Don't worry about it. We are watching. How many people have decided to watch The Chosen? All right. Anybody still not seen it yet? There's all kinds of places you can watch it for free. So go on up there and, and, and watch it. 
I, I do like a lot of the things. I love some of the characters that they're, they're doing. I've already told you, I don't like some of the ways they've handled some of the miracles. But they did one miracle we were watching this week, and I, I love the way they, they handled it. I think we were watching this week. Anyway, we, we were watching him, Jesus heal the leper. Anybody see that scene, Jesus healing the leper? That's my Jesus. Everybody else is saying, stay back from him, stay back from him, stay. He goes right up to him. That's my God. See, my God goes in the midst of sickness and disease. Doesn't shy away from it. Make sure you keep that attitude. I've seen some churches. I was spending some time watching some church services this week. I'm not sure why. I just was watching different church services. and I saw one, and they're all over there ministering to each other with masks on. I, I, I saw that. I said, Father God, I don't understand. I don't understand that. How can you do that? So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Our main focus has to be, God, am I serving you? In Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless, bless the Lord, O my soul and, soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We've talked about this verse. You, When you worship God, it is more a matter of, is your all into it? Is your mind on five other things? Or is your mind on worshiping God? you got to take all of yourself and put it into worship God. Habakkuk 3.17. How many like the book of Habakkuk? It's a good thing I'm not asking you to turn there, isn't it? Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree may not blossom. How many know that's not a good thing? Nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. This is not good, is it? Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Sounds pretty dry to me. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the in the God of my salvation. The joy of your Lord, how you worship God, has nothing to do with what you have. We have got to make the connection. I worship my God regardless of how things are going. Now, he's not telling you that's how God wants things going. He's just saying, I don't care how things are going in the natural. I still worship my God. Now, last week we were looking, last couple of weeks anyway, we we're looking at the world. In the world today, it is a common thing to reject the Word of God, the voice of God, and the Spirit of God. That's common. Pressure will be applied to you to do the same. You're going to risk safety, community, unity, all these things. You gotta, they'll tell you things like you must accept the science, keep worship, keep worship to yourself, don't be as exclusive or limiting in your beliefs. But don't go after that. The world wants you to comply, it wants to achieve compliance, and it will increase pressure until it is yielded. We told you before, the, the world, Satan's kingdom, it declares a goal, but it's not the end goal. They never reveal the true end goal because it will always cause alarm. And so they give you a little bit. And then, once you're okay with that, then a little bit more. This is not anything about today. It may be going on today, but it has nothing to do with today because it happened in the New Testament. It happened in the book of Acts. It happened in the Gospels. It happened in the epistles. It happened in the Old Testament. 
It happened in a time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because this is the kingdom of darkness. Just know it's one of its signs. God never does that. God always declares the end from the beginning. This is where we're going. Yep, we're going right there. I'm not changing the goal. I'm not changing the mark. This is where we're going. And when you get there, this will happen. He doesn't change it. Remember, remember the Israelites going through the wilderness? What did he keep saying to them? I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. And I will deliver them into your hand. He didn't change it. When they got there, they saw it was worse than they thought. God still didn't change what he said. Nope, still doing the same thing. But the kingdom of darkness always is changing things. Just know that's part of, part of their traits. Don't follow them. They will repeat what is false until people believe it is truth. And they will challenge the character of those who challenge the lie. They won't debate the truth because they know that their false truth cannot hold up to what is true. We read for you Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. We have to make sure that what is on our lips is also the same thing that our hearts, that it's on our hearts. And that is what true worship will do. Let's get over here in number 16, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dothan and Abiram and the sons of Eleb, and on the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show you who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. So the people who step forward, these certain leaders, <clears throat> they believe that they are gods, don't they? They believe they have honorable attitudes. They believe that they are right in their motives and their actions. And they feel they have a scriptural standing. Or they wouldn't be doing this. But do they? You can also ask this question, do I? <laughs> Are there times that I have stood up and I thought I have scriptural standing for this? I am God's and I declare this as they're doing. But look at this, they start with an accusation against Moses. That's what they start with. They don't come with anything else. They come, verse 3, as soon as they come, they gather against Moses and Aaron. And they said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? They come with an accusation. Who does that sound like? Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. When you feel things rise up on the inside of you that are accusatory of other people, just know it's not inspired by God. 
God's not here to accuse. This, this happens many times. People, people begin to do this and they begin to accuse. We were, we were watching a rerun of a Hallmark movie. Because there's nothing else to good on. I feel good after watching one of those. I don't like most of the other stuff that's on TV. I just don't feel good after watching it. But we're watching this one. And, you know, that it's always the same kind of thing. You know, somebody makes an assumption. And I know they're all the same. It's all right. I'd rather watch the same thing if something good than watch something new, something bad. But this one was, uh, was kind of took the cake a little bit. The, the, the female actor, she's not one of my favorites. Yeah. Didn't, but, you know, she's in there. You've got to take it. And... um she saw something that the male character was doing and she immediately accused him of something. He just stood there. Quiet. Just let her make the accusation. And then she stormed off. And then he went about his business. That's it. That's, it. Man, that's good. That's good character right there. I like that. I already liked him. I already didn't like her. Now I didn't like her more. And so then they were over there and you know, she's cooking something and her cook got hurt. Her helper cook got hurt. And so the, his whole team, they're over there and they're looking at her cook got hurt. And uh, he goes over and says, why don't you go help her? We got it over here. They're in a contest against each other. He goes, all right. So he goes over to help the person who just got done accusing him. That's tough to do, isn't it? See, that's God. That's the kind of thing that God would have you do. The accuser of the brethren. He goes around accusing people. When these folks come up, they should know right away. If you're going to come up, you're going to lead off with an accusation. You know you're not of the kingdom of light. That's not something that the kingdom of light does. If you were here on Wednesday night, we were talking about some of the things that the attitude of forgiveness will do. Joseph put everybody out of the room. They all don't need to be here to hear this. And as we went on into the story, we saw that apparently... In all the years that Joseph was in Egypt, he never told Pharaoh about his brothers and the thing they did. Because when Pharaoh hears his brothers are here, he's excited. Oh, this is good, they're here. If he knew what the brothers did, I don't think he would have had that same excitement. So they should know already, something's not good. I've seen a lot of churches, they go around like this, they feel very comfortable Stepping out and just accusing people. I've seen board meetings. I've seen congregational meetings and they just get up, you're doing this and just accusations. So they start with an accusation against Moses. There are accusations that are based on opinion and hearsay, not the word or the will of God. This is how the kingdom of darkness works. And those in the kingdom of God should not follow it. Make sure you don't follow that. Moses, he starts his out with a declaration of who God is. Not this other stuff. He says, declares what God, who God is. Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is His and who is holy. That's just a declaration. We're not accusing anybody. <clears throat> We're just declared. The Lord will show. Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who's His. I don't have to show it. The Lord will show it. It says that they perceived that Moses took on too much, thought he was better than them. 
exalted himself and kept them from ministry. Now, a long time ago, how many see that gold star? It's in your outline. How many remember the gold stars? One, one person? A couple of people would know. Okay. A couple of people remember. I did this for a little while. I didn't get a whole lot of response off it, so I eventually stopped putting the effort into it. But what we were trying to do is almost every week we would have one principle in there and I would gold star it. And here's the principle. So some years ago, I think it was about 10 years ago when we, one of the times we went through this, I had a gold star. So I brought the gold star over. This is just what we brought over from, from it was probably about 10 years ago that we did it. <clears throat> so you can fill this gold star out. This is the principle. To envy what others have is to despise what we have been given. To envy what others have is to despise what we have been given. The people who bring the accusation against Moses are envious of what they have. You guys have this position. You guys get to do this thing. We don't get to do that. We want it. If I envy someone else's position, I will despise what I have. That can be in all kinds of things. People that are married can envy what somebody else appears to have in their marriage. People that have kids may envy something that they other people appear to have with their kids. You can have one job and envy another job because somebody appears to have something better than you. Maybe they get paid more. Maybe they're more happy. Or maybe they're not working as much. Whatever it might be. See, the enemy comes in and he begins to tell you envious things. To envy this over here and to envy this over there. If you begin to envy what other people have, you will despise what God has given you. That's just how you're going to do it. But see, God has given you something. And the enemy is always trying to tell you that it's not important. It's what they're doing is more important. What you're doing, not so important. Yeah, I wish I could do something more important. I wish I could do this thing over here. Well, apparently what you're doing is important enough for God to give it to you. Don't lose sight of that. They compared what they did to what Moses and Aaron did. You know what? They're doing something more more beneficial for the whole congregation. I'd rather do something like that. And they became envious of what they did. And you cannot harbor that attitude without despising what you do. What God has given to you. You don't want to go after this. I was uh, one of the church servers I was listening to. Uh, it was a huge church. They had all kinds of they had a beautiful facility. They had a beautiful choir and all kinds of orchestration. And just beautiful music was played. And so I, I, I listened to it, to the service. And they had beautiful music, but it didn't really seem like anybody was entering into worship. They were just singing beautiful music. I, well, maybe, you know, I'm not really there. I can't really tell. And then the pastor got up and shared not a stitch of the Word of God. Shared a very nice story, very heartwarming story about a youth and some things that were going on and what he did for um, his country uh, that he had come from over here to the States. It was a beautiful story. It was a nice story. And that was it. And I thought, well, you haven't equipped your people with anything to help them out in the world. Why are you doing that? 
See, one thing about it, we may not be many, <laughs> but you folks desire the Word. Oh, you do. And um, I, I love being around you because you pull it out of me. I tell God all the time, God, if it weren't for these people, I wouldn't learn half as much. And I truly mean that. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Every time we get together, oh, I just love the things that you all pull out. It make me go after something more than we had had done it before, and I'm learning more. So it's, we all benefit. But don't envy what others have. Just know that God, God's not putting that out there for you. He's not trying to get you to be envious of what somebody else has. God will never do that. Because He says in the Word, don't covet. It means don't go out there and envy. He's not going to tell you not to do it and then throw it in front of you to do it. He won't do that. Verse 6. Do this. Take censers, core in all your company, put fire in them, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Hmm. Now notice they came and called him a son of Levi. He calls them sons of Levi. He says, they said, you take on too much. But you see, they based on hearsay and opinion. Moses said to them, you take on too much. He based it on the word of God. Because the word said, this is what your position does. This is what God has given you to do. The word says, this is what he's given me to do. So he's basing his on the word of God. They're basing theirs on their opinion. We think we're just as good as you are. He says in verse 9, or verse 8, Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them? He's trying to put in perspective what it is God's called them to do. Is this a small thing to you? This is something that the enemy is always trying to do to get you to think what you're doing is small. Why does God need you to enter into worship? Why does God need you to dance? Why does God need you to shout? Why does God need you to lift up your hands? He's trying to get you to see what you're doing is small, little. It's not a big deal. Because if you see what you're doing is small, it's easier for you to despise it and to begin to envy what someone else has. Remember, David watched those few sheep, as his brothers called them, for many years and was content. When you are doing the will of God and you're doing it right, you will find contentment. Like you will not find any other place. Now after this, Moses, he falls on his face because he knows what they've started. He knows what they've, they've done. He knows this is, this is not a small thing that you have begun to done, to do here. Put in your outline, how easy is it to see what we are doing as small? I want to make sure I filled in your blank for you. This is the beginning of unrest. It makes us ready to receive the next step. Don't ever look at what you're doing to small. Don't ever call it small. 
Don't ever call it insignificant. Don't allow those thoughts to go on in your head. Because you don't know how significant it is. You don't know how important it is. What if Joseph saw his role as a slave as small and he didn't put his all into it? What if he was put in prison, he saw the role as small and he didn't put his whole self into it? He would not have been prepped. He would not have been ready. He would not have been seen as even having anything valuable that brought him to the next step. Verse 10, And that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you, and are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. What is Aaron that you complain against him? I mean, come on, if your beef is with me, then complain about me, go ahead. But why are you bringing Aaron in on this? And Moses sent to call Dothan and Abiram, the sons of Elib, but they said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey? Brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Is it a small thing they're saying? They probably heard what he was saying to the other things, other people. So they used that terminology. Is it a small thing you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? You're saying you're taking us to one, but you took us out of one. Twisting the words around. To kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. So they justified why they're going to disobey Moses. And once again, they accuse him. You've taken us from a good place. You haven't brought us to another good place. You haven't fulfilled your promise. You haven't done what you said. Then Moses was very angry <laughs> and said to the Lord, I don't know, I would have gotten, man, gotten angry a little bit sooner than this. How about you? Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. Verse 16, And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company will present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it. And each of you bring his censer before the Lord, 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. So they gathered the congregation against them. They didn't bring them in for a good purpose. They brought them in against the men that God called, put in this office, and anointed. Now, Korah seems to accept Moses' challenge here. Maybe he thinks having all the people behind him, that's good enough. Maybe that gets God approval. Look at all these people I have behind me. Look at all these people who think I'm doing the right thing. I don't care how many people think you're doing the wrong, the right thing. If you're doing the wrong thing, in God's view, that's all that matters. Story we looked at not too, too long ago. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody else thought they were doing the wrong thing. They didn't care. We know we're doing the right thing. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Many people thought he was doing the wrong thing. 
He stood before God, we're doing the right thing. You'll see this often in the Word of God. Many people are on this side. As soon as you see a whole lot of people on one side, I get suspicious. You know, whenever they come out in the, in the uh, reports and they begin to say, you know, everybody agrees. Well, that's wrong then. <laughs> I don't even know what, they, what they're saying. As soon as they tell me everybody agrees, this is right. I said, well, that's wrong. I don't even know what they said yet. Because it don't matter. Because I know no way everyone's agreeing. And if they did, then they all agreed for wrong purposes. Generally, it's, a, it's the way that it is. You remember when, when somebody came up with the idea, you know what, I don't think the earth is flat. Everybody disagreed with them. Apparently they were wrong. <laughs> Just because everybody doesn't agree does not mean that thing is wrong. So he tells them all, look, you all take your sensor. We're going to take these sensors. Let's see who God shows up for. Just because you have people behind you doesn't mean that you're right. I put in your outline, but God makes his own choices. God chooses. And he doesn't look at, well, you know what? We've got an awful lot of people on this side of the issue. Maybe we should come down on this side just for unity. <laughs> uh-uh. God doesn't say, I need to get on your side. God says, you need to get on my side. Because this is the side. Verse 20. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. See, I can't do it with you in the way. But if you get out of the way, you watch. I'm going to wipe them all out. It won't take me long. It'll just take a moment. Just give me a moment. Just get away from them for a moment. I'll come in there. Wipe them all out. (laughs) Now Moses, who was just angry at them, very angry at them, now he intercedes for them. I don't know, could you do that? How many of you just got very angry at someone? God says, I'm going to wipe them out. We say, I don't blame you. I totally understand, God. I am on board with this. We're ready to support God all we want. How far back do you want me to get now? <laughs> but that's not what they do. Verse 22. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregations? So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the congregation say, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dothan, and Abiram. So he interceded for them. And he uh, got most of the congregation removed from this judgment. But not these guys. And I guess Moses is saying, I'm, all, I'm on board with that. Take them out. Then Moses rose and went to Dothan and Abiram. And the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men, touching nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. Now, I don't know. I, we have to get to the videotape for this one. But this is how I picture it. Moses has a bunch of people and they don't like to listen to him. And he's had very impassioned pleas for them to uh, to listen to him and to do what God has said. But I think when we get to the videotape, this is what we're going to see. Y'all, you want to get away from there. Uh, if you touch it, you might die. 
Yeah. Uh, don't if you don't want to. That's all right with me. You stay there. That's fine. I don't see him putting a whole lot of passion in this. I'm thinking, I'm warning you. I'm telling you. Get away. If you choose not to, it's your choice. Yeah, freedom of choice. You can choose to stay there and die. Or you can choose to move away. And I'm okay with either one. I think he really is okay with either one. If you still want to rebel. But get away from the tents of Korah, Dothan, and Nibiram. So Moses spoke to the congregation saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dothan, and Abiram. And Dothan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. Probably just come on out there and being defiant. Can you imagine this? Everybody else is getting away. They heard it. They're in a tent. They're not in a soundproof booth. Just a tent. They could hear the same thing other people heard. They didn't get away from the tents. They stood right there. What you going to do? Probably folded their arms. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. Well, that's pretty bold. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belong to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with all their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed over them and they perished from the, among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their outcry. For they said, lest the earth swallow up us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed 250 men who were offering incense. That's a pretty bold statement of Moses. And we'll have to wait to get to heaven to find out. Whose idea was it for the earth to open up? Did God tell Moses, this is what I'm going to do? Or did Moses tell God, God do it this way? As far as we know, nothing that God said to Moses indicated he was going to open up the ground. He just said he was going to consume them. And Moses said, well, God, I want them to see that you didn't even use any method that you've done before. And so he declares God's going to do a new thing. The earth is going to open up, swallow them up. That's never been done. Can you imagine timing that out? I mean, what faith to believe that this would happen right now. So I don't know if God told him this is what's going to happen or if Moses was on to speak it and it happened. But whatever it was, it happened. Now you might think that that would have an impact on people. And it did. They all ran and cried. They didn't need to because Moses said, get away from there. It's just going to be here. That we're just going to swallow these guys up. And that's all we did. They started running because they don't know what to believe. But just believe what Moses said. 
That's all. All through history, we've always had people running around with fear, running around with fear, because they don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder. Don't wonder. Just stand there. They could have stood there right at the edge. God said, don't touch it. I'm not touching it. But I want to see what goes on down there. <laughs> but some of these people that are out there running around, afraid, scared, and then the 250 people who are out there offering incense. God sends fire down on them. Maybe he planned on sending fire down on the other guys too, but Moses changed the plan. I don't know. We have to wait till we get to heaven to find out. The fire comes down and burns them all up. Now you got one side, the 250 people that are over there offering strange fires, the word calls it. And then you got the other ones offering the right stuff. And the fire comes down on them. We have nothing about the people offering the right fire, the right incense. Running and hiding. They seem to be pretty confident. It's the other people that we have that, that ran and hid. So after their destruction, the children of Israel decide to follow their example. I don't know. If, you, if I'm going to follow an example of somebody, I'd rather follow some, the example of somebody who didn't die. Who wasn't judged. Wouldn't you? Why would you want to follow the example of somebody who didn't work out? Now, this happens all the time. This doesn't just happen here. You have people that uh, had a good, stable life, got involved with drugs. Drugs began to sap their energy and their strength. Their whole face changed. Their work altered. Pretty soon, all their money is going to buy the drugs. And they're coming into poverty. Now, they can't afford a place to stay. They lose their job. They lose their house. And people who watch this you would think surely people who watch this go on would not do... And they do. Some people who watch this happen follow the same example. You wonder, how can you do that? Well, these people did it here. In verse uh, 36, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. The senses of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be, be hammered, made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar, because they presented them before the Lord. Therefore they are holy, and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So Eleazar, this priest, took the bronze censers. See, these are bronze censers. In the Word of God, the censers are supposed to be, anybody want to take a guess what material? Gold. All the, all the instruments around the tabernacle were very symbolic. And bronze is only used on the outskirts. Bronze is a type of judgment. And so it was used on the outskirt because sin had to be judged. Bronze, the, 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 there was a, the brazen altar, the bronze altar. It was made out of bronze because this is where the, the judgment would be. But you see, the censers were made of gold. But they didn't have enough gold. So they decided to use a copy and they used bronze because they had that. And so they took something that was made for judgment and they used it in another place that it was not made for. Can you see one of the reasons that they're judged for this? That's, that's not the symbolism. That's not the pattern. You created your own pattern. Plus, they put themselves in a position to do something that they were not called to do. But God said, well, they use these for, for um, 
purposes here around the, the temple. So they're now dedicated. They're not holy. But they're bronze. So we got to do something with it. So uh, the priests took the bronze altars, which those who were burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. So you have this beautiful bronze altar, and then all these little bronze censers, and they took the bronze censers, hammered them out into flat flat pieces, and then they took them and put them on the bronze altar. It looks like patchwork now. So you had this once very beautiful looking altar made of bronze. I mean, it was always covered with blood for the, the things they did, but now all of a sudden you got all these patches on it. So when you come up to the altar and you see all these patches on it, and you're a little kid, and you didn't know the whole story, what are you going to say? How come the altar looks like that? Nothing else around here looks like it's patched up. Why is why is the altar all patched up? And then the parents are supposed to say, well, this is the story of Korah. This is the rebellion that they did. This is what they had done. And they had these uh, bronze censers. And we hammered them out and we put them all along this altar so that every time we came in, we would remember. See, God wants us to remember things because He knows that we would forget. This day on September 11th, we we're supposed to remember some things that had occurred because otherwise we would forget. Isn't it amazing that 20 years ago, firefighters and police officers were seen as heroes. All around our country, they were seen as heroes, even though the ones that were acted heroic were in New York. If you came upon any police officer or any firefighter, you treated them with respect, and you saw them as a hero. But then people took other stories and they made other things and now those heroes are no longer heroes they're despised and in fact movements have been going on to defund them and to remove them and I've heard whole cities that um, the entire police force resigned I mean, my wife just was telling me about another one a um, city that she was uh, actually has, plan, has plans to go to the entire police force resigned said, we're not getting the support. We're not getting into the things that we need. And they've resigned. The whole thing, gone. That's like Wild West stuff. Everybody just does what they want. That's the, the book of Judges. Every man did what's right in his own eyes because there's no king in the land. That's not good. We don't like every man doing what's right in their own eyes. Because your neighbor may think it's right for him to come on over Take all your stuff. It's right in his, in his eyes. It's kind of amazing that in 20 years, less than that actually, that whom we held up as heroes are no more. Just last year, weren't the healthcare workers seen as heroes? And now what? Get out of here. We don't want you around. If you won't do what we say to do, get out. We forget. This is why God put this on here. God made memorials of good and bad events. He made them of the good events so you remember that God delivered, God helped, God saved. 
He did the bad events because I want you to remember, don't mess up like this again. Don't do it. You would think that something like September 11th, we would remember, hey, every single one of those people who flew the planes into the buildings, every single one came here illegally. Look at them up. Every single one was not here legally. You would think we would learn from that, wouldn't you? You would think that we would learn that you have to, to vet some people. That some people want to sneak into this country and cause harm. You would think we would... We didn't. Look at what we're doing now. So brass is the type of judgment. I think I already gave you that. Rebellious people seem to be drawn to the judgment side of God. They just seem to go that way. <laughs> they just do the things that attracts the things of the judgment side of God. They just uh, attract that side of God to them. Uh, it's just you wonder why they're, they're drawn to drawn to it. Submitted servants, they're attracted to the side of God that's grace. Now, gold is a type of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It's a type of His finished work. That's what we want. That's why gold is used in certain places. There's a finished work that is there. We can't bring bronze into that. There's some places that gold doesn't go. And there's some places that bronze does not go. And God was very clear on where they were each supposed to be. They look similar. Of course, gold is far more spectacular than bronze is, but they have the, you know, similar color to them. Now, I don't know if they even finished the memorial. You would think in a day they probably couldn't have finished the memorial, but, you know, they were at least going on that way. They, they started hammering out some plates. Maybe they got a few of the plates put up there. On the next day, verse 41, all the congregation, how many? Oh, anytime that you see everybody on one side, they are generally on the wrong side. Find a time in the Word of God where everybody was on God's side. It's real easy to find everybody on the wrong side. It's real hard to find everybody on the right side. But it says here, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now, that's a very confusing statement to me. I hear people in politics all the time make very confusing statements. I don't understand some of the things that they say. They they just don't make any sense. You cannot talk this way. You just said this yesterday. Now you say this. It doesn't make any sense to me. This doesn't make any sense to me. If they truly believed that Moses just killed all these people, they would not be coming up to Moses and complaining. Because if Moses just did that, called down fire and burned up the 250 over here and opened up the earth and swallowed up all these folks, Moses, whatever you say, we're okay with it. I mean, if you really believed, really believed that this was the best way to go, that Moses did these, if you really believed it, you're not standing in his presence saying, you're wrong. We're going to hold you accountable. Uh Uh-uh. No, if he's got that ability, like you say, run and hide. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. Run and hide. That's why when you look at all these politicians who push for one thing or whatever it might be, I don't care, you pick whatever topic you want. 
They push for something. They don't do it. Way back when they were pushing a certain health care plan for everybody. Except for them. That don't seem right. If this is so good, why don't you want to get on it? (laughs) If you just listen to people talk, they will tell you what they really believe. They do not believe that Moses did this so they wouldn't be in his presence right now making this thing. They're just being stupid and ignorant. But overnight, they were thinking about this. They're over there laying in the bed, talking to, you know, husbands and wives are talking to each other. Maybe the kids are coming in, talking to them, whatever it might be. Maybe they're having some of the neighbors over and talking with them. Did you see what happened? Yeah, I've never seen that before in my life. I don't think God would do that. Had to be Moses. Yeah, I think you're right. Had to be Moses. I've never seen God do that. Have you ever seen Moses do it? Now it happened when the congregation that gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Now usually it's a good thing when the glory of the Lord appears. Not now. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Didn't he just say that? He just said it yesterday. He's ready to do it again. Only thing standing in the way is Moses and Aaron. I don't know if the people can hear what God is saying. I, I kind of doubt it. But if they could, and they just heard yesterday, get away from these people, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses stood in the way. I'm not trying to make Moses mad at me. And then God says it again. Get away from these people. I'm going to consume them in a moment. Interesting the way he words it too. That I may consume them in a moment. Apparently, if he doesn't move, he may not. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out for the Lord. The plague has begun. He already knows. It's already started. And Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran in the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 beside those who died in the Korah incident. 14,000 people died even though they were spared the day before. Even though God wanted to kill them the day before, He let them live because of Moses. And now on this day, 14,700 died because they decided to rise up, come against Moses. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle meeting for the plague had stopped. So they went out there immediately. Now understand the plague is going on. We don't know what the plague is. But a plague generally means some kind of a sickness or disease. Aaron goes right out into the congregation with the golden incense. If 14,700 people died in the time he got out there and started going around with the golden incense, they were dropping pretty fast. So can you imagine the high priest of God Going out in the midst of a plague where people are dropping left and right. 
And they're dying from this thing fast. We're no, no low, no uh, long, prolonged, held out. They get it. Bam. They're dead. That's what you call a pandemic. You don't gotta fabricate it. You know something's going on because people are dying all around. Dead, 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 all over the place, dead people. And he goes out in the midst of it. And all he's got is the, the little incense sensor. Apparently he wasn't afraid at all going out there in the midst of that. I put this in your outline for you. Intercession involves prayer and action. If you want to say you're an intercessor and you don't do nothing, you are not an intercessor. Intercession involves prayer and action. Moses and Aaron got involved in prayer and they got involved in some action. Now before the whole congregation was involved in the rebellion, but only the leaders were judged. And then without the leaders, they decided to rise up again. And 14,700 died. See, something changed. The judgment spread over to others. Because new people were rising up. We're going to take on this leadership. We're going to have this rebellion. Now, most people who consider themselves to be faithful, most people who consider themselves to be known of God, to be doing what God wants, most of them would be amazed to find out how much they focus on what they want to do instead of what God wants to do. What they want done is what God asked for to be done. When people, when Christians follow after these things, they will fall into wrong attitudes and actions. But when we learn to make God's causes and needs our main focus, not the secondary one, our main focus, we will see ourselves move into the correct service and worship of God. Again, Exodus 23, verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God and He will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Having a plague in your midst that 14,700 people die from is not sickness being taken away from the midst of you. But it's brought on because of what they did. Now I put this, I believe, in your outline. It is easier to follow wrong examples and catch bad attitudes than right examples and attitudes. It's easier. It is easier to follow after wrong examples and catch bad attitudes. It's easy to do it. Take a look at our world today. How many people are falling after the, the wrong things? They got the wrong attitudes. They go around pointing fingers. Well, you didn't. Well, you don't. And all sorts of stuff like this. We had some guy who had to come over and do something on the house yesterday. He comes over. He's got his mask up and he's got all this stuff. So I went out to him and says, you can wear the mask. You cannot wear the mask. It makes no difference to us. He said, it's okay. I'm vaccinated. I said, I don't care if you are or not. You don't have to wear it. If you want to wear it, you can. But you don't have to. He said, oh, okay. Took it off. I guess he didn't want to. But you see, it's a whole lot easier to follow after wrong examples and wrong attitudes than it is to follow after right ones. It's far easier. It's harder to set the example and do things that are different than the winds of the world is trying to take everyone. It's harder to come against that. But the Word of God is filled with people who did. It's filled with people who stood up against 
what the winds of the world wanted to be done. Jesus was one who came in and stood up against what the winds of the religious leaders wanted to do. Paul would go into a city, he would stand up against what the winds of idolatry wanted to do. How many people in other areas of Scripture stood up to what the winds were directing to be done? Why do Christians find it so easy to follow the winds? I get amazed at how many Christians I see around following the winds. See, worship that involves our whole self, it will change what's on the inside of us. Because what's on the inside of you will come out. You might cover it up for a little while, but what's on the inside of you, it will come out. Change it before it causes you a problem. For these people, they didn't change what's on the inside of them, and it came out, and it caused a problem, and they died. They died a bad death. And I don't know if they had a chance to go into heaven or not. It's not my, uh, it's above my pay grade, as they say. Somebody else gets to decide all that. But I'd rather not be on that, on that place. When you get to a place, and you are going to serve God with all your heart, with everything in you, and the winds of the world come and they blow, and they try and take you in a wrong direction, if you're going to stand up against those winds, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be like the news people that are there fighting the winds on the camera and the guy walks behind them, waves. You ever seen those? Isn't that hysterical? And they're there fighting the wind and fighting the wind and the guy's walking behind. Hey, how you doing? It's not like that. The winds that you will face are strong winds. They will try and knock you down. They will try and move you. They will try and take you to a place that you do not want to go. Just remember, Jesus had 12 apostles, 12 disciples. We knew one was going to betray him. But the 11, the other 11, he says, you all will basically turn tail and run. Why? Because the winds blew. Remember Peter? I'll die for you. <laughs> Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. The winds are blowing. Don't think that the winds that are blowing today are so unique and so different from anything that has blown before. Same winds have blown in times past. The same winds have tried to influence people and make them do things and go in directions that the Spirit of God says, don't do that. Don't go in that direction. Stand up against the winds. When you were in a worship service and the winds try to blow and get you to think about what you have to do on Monday morning, stand up against that wind. I will not. I will serve the Lord my God with all my heart. And right now, that service means worshiping Him. When those winds blow and try and get you to bow the knee to something, you stand up. I will not bow my knee to that. I will be like Jesus. Remember Jesus? I only do what I hear the Father say. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. 
If he didn't see the Father do it, he didn't go. Because the winds would blow and he would stand up. What are the winds that are blowing against you? Serve the Lord God. The winds will come. There's a story in the Bible. You all know it. The winds were blowing strong. The rain beat against the boat. The waves were coming in. And the boat was going down. The boat was coming under the influence of the wind and the waves. And then they saw Jesus walking. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And the master said, come. And he walked on the water regardless of the waves, regardless of the wind, until he looked down. Until he allowed all those things to affect his thinking. Don't let what's going on in our world today affect your thinking. Don't be concerned, well, if I don't go along, what will they do? <laughs> don't be concerned about that. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can go ahead and start your music if you want to. We're still going to have the same thing. We're not bowing. We're not giving in. We don't care what you do. Stand against it. Because every time a great change came into the world, it was because people believed God and stood against the wind. Ask our worship team if they come up. Would you all stand with me? We have a song to close with. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that your God is great. You serve a great God. And you don't just serve any God. You serve a God who is the Almighty. The Almighty. No matter how high a position a person has in this world's affairs, they do not come close to the Almighty. And so just think about this when you face the winds of the world. Would you rather stand on the side of a rebellious congregation? Or the side of Moses and Aaron. What side would you rather be on? Where was the Almighty? Don't fear the world. Don't let the world affect your worship. Don't let the world affect how much of yourself you put into worship. You give it everything that you've got. Because if you will have a worship that you involve your entire self in, it will change you on the inside. And when the world gets its grips around you and squeezes, what will come out is the Word. What will come out is something along the pattern of Daniel, Moses, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, John, Peter, Paul as they got stronger.
that's what will come out. I'm going to sing this song. It's an old hymn. An old German hymn. But listen to the words as you sing them. Let them take over. And understand, they serve the Lord God Almighty. to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy help and salvation. All ye who now to
put them all in orbits and keeps them there. What is man when we see our Lord God Almighty? As the winds of the world blow against us, as things try to alter our worship, thank you that we have the wherewithal, the ability in us to make a stand, to not be blown around, to not be moved. For we serve the Lord God Almighty. Father, I thank you for the peace that you give us in every situation that we face. The enemy wants to get us concerned, worry, and fret about things that have not even happened yet. But in you we rest. And in you we are not moved. I give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Don't be moved. Have a good rest of your day.